Welcome, everybody, to episode four of our TETV Untitled Themed Entertainment Design Show podcast. Today uh, is another Halloween themed show. We have a friend of the show and friend of mine, uh, and probably yours, Rick West from Midsummer Scream. He's a creative director uh, for Midsummer Scream and the uh, industry at large. And uh, we're talking about home haunts this year, right, Patrick? Yeah, uh, we actually were joined by Josh Quillen. Um, from Epic Home Haunts as well. Yep. And look, they're huge fans. Obviously, uh, Rick West is a mega fan and just kind of covered all sorts of, of home haunts and, and behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, always great to have Rick West on the show, um, you know, as him being from Midsummer Screen. So we had a great time with them and uh, we think you're going to have a good time as well. So please enjoy the show. There he is. How's it going, Eddie? It's going really good. You look freshly showered. Either that or it's just the Florida humidity. Yeah, I, I got off a little bit of a walk. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm already excited to be here. Uh, with, with, uh, we got a great guest lined up. We're all talking about Halloween. It's officially Halloween season, October 11th, 2021, Monday, Dateline. <laughs> Yeah, we're very excited to have Rick West and Josh Quillen on. Uh, I've known Rick for more than 25 years, so yeah. we've uh, we've uh, been through a lot, seen a lot together, and uh, very happy to have him on and talk about uh, all the great home haunts around the country, around the world, maybe even Aruba. Maybe Aruba. Yeah, it's really interesting, just that whole haunt community and front yard haunts. There's actually one being built right now in my neighborhood. And uh, I'm really excited to dive in a little bit deeper of that. Um, and I know the L.A. area is pretty extreme with that. So uh, be looking forward to diving in. But there's been some theme park news since we last saw each other. Andy, what do you want to talk about today? I think the top of mind is the Disney Genie Plus, uh, the arrival, the imminent arrival of the new uh, attraction reservation system, uh, Genie Plus, that Disney's rolling out. That is the basic version is free. And, you know, it basically just allows you it put it can push uh, attraction wait times uh, that are lower that maybe you'd want to uh, take a part of. And then there's the whole uh, what is it? The lightning lane where you can just buy a fast pass, essentially, uh, for uh, the top two attractions in each park. Um, and I guess you can only you can only do two a day, something like that. I don't know. I don't know all the details, but uh, I'm interested to see how it works and see how it, you know, can uh, benefit, uh, you know, uh, you know, guest stay during the day. And I don't know. I think you have to you'll have to tell me how it goes. Yeah, right. It's you know, it, they, they have similar versions of paid fast pass out in the world, like in Shanghai. When I was in Shanghai Disneyland on my last day, I probably spent a hundred dollars on their wow. fast pass, the faith, the pay fast pass. I'm just like, I've got three hours left. I want to go on Peter Pan. I want to go on Tron and I want to go on pirates. So I, I remember it was like $20 for Peter Pan. And I'm just like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Well, it's inter- I mean, it's it, it's kind of interesting because you know Shanghai is probably a once every you know long. Who knows when we'll go back to Shanghai, right? So right. Um, that you know, and if they're a theme park guy, and for the daily guests, so you know they're going to be forking it out. Of course, we know that every other major company out there um, has already done this, right? Disney kind of came out with a free fast pass version in the 90s and then others followed suit with a paid system and disney's following their lead to charge for it so um yeah. well that, that's really boils down to um we'll have to see how it pans out um the lines you know we've had standby only for almost you know i guess it's been over a year and a half here in walt disney world with covid um and depending on what weekend it is and what it's like you know they fluctuate wildly now we're in the 50th anniversary and you know the crowds are here they're they're coming out for it so um we will see. But speaking of uh, the COVID, um, <laughs> Florida cases are actually down to the July levels, which is great. So they've, they've gone down quite a bit, um, which is awesome. Um, so encourage everyone to get vaccinated and wear your mask and all that. Um, but that also gives way for new meet and greet experiences to return. So we have the meet and greets coming back to Disney's Hollywood Studios and the Town, um, Town Square Theater at uh, Magic Kingdom, which is great. Um, and then, of course, the return of Indiana Jones stunt show spectacular coming back before the winter winter holidays. Uh, and I believe there was another. It's more entertainment pieces throughout the parks are coming back, which is great. Yeah, like the the Daiko show uh, at uh, the Jap- Japan, uh, Japan Pavilion at Epcot, mm-hmm. uh, the big drum show, the drumming show there, and um, uh, I think well, I can't think of anything else. But yeah, uh, it's it's you know the the world is healing literally. The Walt Disney World is is healing. Oh, Yeehaw Bob, he's coming back. We talked about this last week, I think. Yeah, we did. There were some of the elements. We, the Indiana yeah. Jones is new, I think. Yeah, um, that's true. The other, the other new thing uh, was uh, Shrek is closing in uh, Orlando. The Shrek 4D experience is closing yeah. for an as yet unannounced uh, replacement. So yeah. We can't talk about that, but uh, I have no also, knowledge on that. But you know, well, we'll it's not Secret Life of Pets, so spoilers. Oh. Okay, that was the major front-running thing. You have you uh, okay? You have a good on court. Well, I'm kind of curious if it's gonna be a walkthrough experience or hopefully it'll be a family experience. They, that, that park could use a family dark ride. Um, so we'll see what it is. I'm sure it'll be a family experience. I mean, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna be like a, you know how to train your dragon coaster or something like that. Yeah. Any speculation on opening year? I would say 2024. I'd guess. Hmm. So do you think they're not doing anything for 2022? You mean next year? Yeah, I mean, just there's nothing been announced for 2022. I don't think there's so. No, no construction either. Like, you know, Jurassic Park was being, or Foss Coaster was being built for several years and out in the open and they didn't acknowledge it. But Yeah, yeah. And the, but uh, in other universal news to wrap this up before we get to our guests, uh, the the big deal with Pokemon signing for Universal Studios Japan, Yeah, which I think is a huge huge news for japan for the japanese parks you know i think that uh i I don't know what is coming there i'm assuming you know some sort of ride i don't know yeah well it sounds like they're starting with meet and greet experiences and they're gonna maybe expand from there um and then did did we talk about donkey kong as well was that discussed we didn't talk about that no and there's donkey kong yeah they got a whole coaster coming there yeah well look appears to be I don't know if that's announced or what they announced yet. I can't keep track, but yeah. Um, well, anyway, okay. uh, should we uh, should we bring on Rick and talk about uh, the fabulous world of home haunts? Yeah, let's do it. So we have friend of the show and network 
been on several times. Appreciate him every time he comes on. How's it going, Rick? Hey, guys. How are you? Doing good? Dude, it's the weirdest thing. Patrick, I love Aruba, too. Really? <laughs> it's so weird. that you, it, I've actually never been. It just... <laughs> Cheeky and fair enough. Whatever. Yeah, like, I love Aruba too. <laughs> you know, what am I gonna do? No. Hi. How, how many months was that your secret undisclosed location? Three months, four months? Yeah, like two and a half months. Oh, two and a half months seemed like nice. longer than that. Nice. Yeah. On the like run. That. On the run. I get it. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, you had to leave the country for a little while until the arrest warrants expired, and the whole thing. The thing. <laughs> well, well rick uh it's nice to see you thank you for coming on the show as always and uh we're very pleased to have you on to talk about uh some of our favorite topics which is the the home haunts you know mm-hmm. for for a while we, we we were pre-pandemic we were we were talking about putting together a show centered around home haunts and the the people yeah who make them happen. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, that that's still a thing that we should do, but in the meantime, I'd love to, you know, let's take a, a little tour of home haunts here in Southern California and beyond and talk about what it means to be a home haunter, the kinds of, yeah. you know, the, the, it is a lifestyle for a lot of people, Yep. you know, which is, which is the, the ethos of our show. Uh, but uh, I mean, you have experience with home haunting yourself, a little with, a little bit, with, yeah. with Boot Hill from ages ago, e- eons back when Irvine was in black and white. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> no one was alive then. <laughs> back when dinosaurs roamed the earth off of before water. Yeah, no. Um, so we should probably set set this up. Home haunt is a thing that is worldwide these days, right? And a home haunt is everything from sticking the $25 projector of the ghost from Target on your your front door, you know, outside to building something that is equal to or better than theme park quality uh, in the space that you have, whether it's your front yard, your side yard, the entire yard, whatever. Um, Home haunting in Southern California is literally unlike anywhere else in the world. Uh, yeah, we have the, the yards that are filled up with Walmart inflatables, and that's great because those things cost money and people take the time to buy them and set them up, and that's wonderful. But then I think it's also, it's a huge, um, it, it's hugely because, is this hugely a word? It's hugely because, um, you know, when Walt Disney created WED in the, in the early 50s to create Disneyland and themed entertainment here in SoCal, you know, that was kind of like the genesis. That was the, the big bang, right, of, of, of themed entertainment. Well, you know, there are a lot of apples that have, have, you know, fallen very close to the tree. And there are many shops and a lot of creative companies here throughout the Southland. And, well, those, those employees go home at night and they take their crafting home with them. And so I think that a lot of SoCal's home haunters, a lot of that's attributed to that we're just, this is like the birthplace of themed entertainment uh, on the West Coast, really, for for theme parks, for for films, a lot of film stuff, you know, originated here in Hollywood, obviously. So a lot of these folks go home and they, they have this outlet where they can like create something on their own canvas where they don't have to answer to anybody, they're the boss, and they can just have at it. And so I think we see a lot of that through the decades here in Southern California, really blowing up, starting with basically the early 70s, 
um, you know, some of the early home haunts in the 70s. Gary Korb, the hallowed haunting grounds that was in Studio City for over three decades was really like the flagship home haunt here in Southern California. And it was just this kid who went to Disneyland, fell in love with the Haunted Mansion and said, I want to recreate part of that in my yard for Halloween. And it just blew up and became a thing. And over the years, I, by, by the time I caught wind of it and went to it, it was probably in the mid 90s. And uh, boy, it was fantastic. It was the entire yard was involved. It was not a jump scare situation. There was no violence. There was no gore. It was just very macabre and very quiet and very mournful and very theatrical, really, really theatrical. And it was a veritable who's who. Like you'd get there at 10 o'clock at night and there would be top Imagineers there hanging out, looking at things. There'd be celebrities. There'd be people from film studios there checking this stuff out. And it really became a thing. So flash forward, you know, decades later again now, and we have old generation haunters here in Southern California. We've got new generation haunters, and that's really exciting to me when you have, you know, 15-year-olds through 20, 25-year-olds making these home haunts now that are just mind-blowing. They're so good, and that's really exciting to me because home haunts, that's like, that's like the favorite part of Halloween for me. Yeah, we go to all the theme parks, we see all the things, but really driving around and seeing what people are doing at home just for the love of doing it, that to me is, that that's that's Halloween right there. And just to see that these young haunters are doing things that are so polished and light years beyond what their predecessors did, um, God, it just makes me wonder, like, what's it going to be like in 5, 10, 15 years from now? It's going to be mind-blowing. Yeah, I agree. It's funny. You were mentioning the whole time you were talking about uh, Hollywood Haunting Grounds. I'm thinking like every year I went there like in the, the 90s and I would I, like I, I managed to go on the same night that like Tony Baxter was there. Sure. And it was like it's almost like a reunion of like, you know, you know, theme park professionals. And like yeah. you said, sometimes celebrities you'd see Stamos would be there or, you yeah. know, um, uh, Will Wheaton lives here in Burbank next door to my friend Keith Kaminsky, who we had on the show last year, who does a huge, huge front yard display uh, and is doing it again this year. So, Yeah, I think Haunting Grounds, that's like the first place I, I, I met Dave Cobb. He was a big fan of, of Hallowed Haunting Grounds. So, mm -hmm. yeah, like lots of roads, you know, lead back to good old Hallowed Haunting Grounds. You know, unfortunately, Gary's not around anymore, and, and yeah. that's long gone. But, uh, boy, the impact, right, the impact that he and a bunch of his teenage friends – you know, made all those years ago just because they wanted to bring a little piece of the Haunted Mansion, you know, home at, at Halloween. Boy, yeah. the landslide that caused here in, in Southern California. God oh, bless for sure. Yeah, I mean, my friend Keith, I mentioned, you know, he's an art director for, for Themed Entertainment. And so, you know, like you said, he just gets to do whatever he wants with, with without, you know, some, you know, creative director or corporate uh, overlord, you know, bearing down on him. Yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, we all get to play Yale Gracie when we're yeah. haunters. What a cool thing. Right. And it, it's not even something that's it shouldn't even be like intimidating to people, because if you want to set up anything, you just go to YouTube and there's like tutorials on all of these things. It's amazing. You know, the, the resources that haunters have uh, at their fingertips these days. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, 20, 30 years ago, it was like, you know, you had to know somebody or figure it out yourself or, yeah. you know, you go to the, go to Gary Corb and be like, hey, I want to help out. I want to learn how to do this. And he'll just like, all right, here's yeah. a hammer, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. 
pre pre internet, right? There's no the way that bird would get out back then. It's amazing, right? Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, back then there was no list, there was no resource, right? Now today we use the SoCal Haunt List, you know, dot com, and that's your roadmap for Halloween. But I remember back in the day, it was my friend Ken Pellman saying, "Dude, you got to go see this thing in Studio City." And I'm like, yeah. but "I live in Irvine, and that's so far," you know, back then, right? Yeah. And I remember going, and I got there one night, and it blew my freaking mind. I had never seen anything on the scale of Hallowed Haunting Grounds. So um, it's it's just weird that we got anything done pre-texting and pre-internet. you know, internet. It's so weird, right? Well, you and I, we, you, you brought me into your home haunt back in, I want to say, 97, 98 with Boot Hill. Man, with you and so, Shay and... and yeah. Uh, yeah. So Boot Hill, we, we, so this was, as do many large-scale home haunts, because Boot Hill has become a large-scale home haunt, um, it, it was just a couple of friends just wanting to get together and just put a few decorations out and, like, hand out candy right for the neighborhood on, on Halloween. So our first year of, 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 of boot Hill, there wasn't even really much of a boot Hill. I think we put up a few like cro wooden crosses in the front yard and we bought some foam jack-o'-lanterns with funny faces at like Hallmark and we put them in the front yard and there was, that was, that was like it. That was the first year. And like, People loved it. We were like, hey, this is kind of cool. And then after that, it embiggened. And then, you know, flash forward, you know, 10 years later, the entire front yard's involved. It's got an entire Western theme. But but very quickly, we started growing that. And I have a background in music and and certainly understand the, the depth of, of having audio versus visual. And it, it's got to all come together to be a really good a themed experience. It doesn't even need to be a haunt. It's got to be a themed experience, right? Um, before you even knew what themed experiences were. This is long before I was ever in the industry. And so we knew that we needed music for it. And I had a friend, Andy Garfield, who does mind-blowing music. And the music that you did back then was fantastic. I mean, obviously, we look back now and chuckle on how we were 20-plus years ago. But you were great back then, right? So I said to you, hey, would you do the soundtrack, this original soundtrack for Boot Hill? And you did, and you delivered a great soundtrack that is played over 20 years later today still at Boot Hill. And that's pretty amazing, man. It is pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I remember sitting in my bedroom at my parents' house at the time, and you were there. You were there with me. I think it was one of those rare occasions where, like, I, you know, invited by a client in to the process, you know, because, you know, you obviously were my friend. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think I remember you sat there while I was doing it for much of the time, at least. I drove you nuts doing it <laughs> because <laughs> I wasn't, it was, let's just say this was the first and last time Andy ever invited a client in to watch the process because that's, I, that's not true. That's not true. Yeah. Jason, Jason McManus and I created the, the marathon of mayhem soundtrack this year together. I, every I, single I, moment I, of it. I sat on your back like a monkey and just, <laughs> you must've wanted just to kill me because I was like, well, let's do this. How about this? How about that? And I wasn't letting you do what you do, but Dude, it came out. It I must have blocked out. that out. <laughs> it, 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 it was. It's like a trauma. So it, it, it was. It was great. And you know, the soundtrack is fantastic. And uh, anytime I hear it now, it, you know, it, it takes me back to that time. And uh, what a cool testament, right? That, that that something that we just did has lasted so long. It's really, really, really fun. 
So yeah, that and Men in Black. And recently I learned that the Christmas music that I did for Universal Studios Japan in 2001, they still use it. I didn't know that they still oh, used it. That's uh, I thought for sure that it was like a one and done thing or they yeah. used it for just a few years, but apparently they still use it as BGM throughout the park. So cool. At Christmas time. It's, inc- it's that. incredible. That's great. And by the way, congratulations on Marathon of Mayhem again. Thank that's, you very that's, much. That's cool. Very, very we've got, cool. We've, we've got three more weeks of mayhem. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Uh, well, why don't we bring on our next guest to uh, to enlighten us even further about the, the larger world of home haunts. Bring hey. on, please hey. say hello to, to Josh Quillen. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Great. Thanks for coming on. And, and uh, for, for our audience that doesn't know, uh, Josh is the uh director writer producer editor sound mixer for <laughs> the documentary film epic home haunts yay so six we, years we, of my life right there and that little that banner six years of your life you said six years wow it took to make that 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 film yeah and we're working on another one so hopefully we'll, we'll see you in six years yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly we're pushing for three pushing for three this time we'll cut it in half <laughs> well that's good i've seen i've seen the movie and i think it's great and um it was uh it was a lot of fun to watch uh and uh, very informative and very heartfelt and earnest yeah no the first movie was definitely one of those you know original like the genesis of the film is it was a tv series that's where it came from and we had pitched it as a tv series that had a producer behind it and then it just one day fell through completely it was gone and it was just no mm. longer a thing i had a small mini mental break and then we went to midsummer scream and walked out of day one at midsummer scream i don't remember it was like i think it was the first year that it was at long beach so it was that technically year two rick uh that would be year uh let's go with three like one and was that year three? No, no, it's all a blur. Um, <laughs> don't put me on the spot like that about I'm something. Sorry. No, but it was so we did we did um, uh, Midsummer Scream. No, Midsummer Scream started in Long Beach with year one. Year one. So okay, this is year one. Started in, in Long Beach. Yeah. Okay, so year one. Yeah, because we were interviewing people for the TV series at uh, the the convention that shall not be named that was in Pasadena um originally and then midsummer scream happened and we were like all we wanted to do the show just fell through and we walked out of midsummer scream year one and went screw it we'll fund it ourselves and we'll make it a film um and that's what we ended up doing we ended up just completely self-funding self-distributing and it took way too long to complete but it was super fun um we ended up moving from la to san francisco halfway through the film and then had to drive six hours every time we would go film because most of the film happens in LA and, um, or all of it happens in LA. Um, yeah, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I roped Rick into it and it's a good time. No, it was fun, dude. It was fun. And we're uh, ready to go, go with you on this, uh, the second ride. Cross country, this time. cross country. We're doing all around now. It'd be fun. So Josh, what, what inspires you about home haunts that, uh, to the point where you wanted to make a documentary film about it? Like to, what, what are home haunts to you? What do they mean to you? Um, well, it started with Hollywood Honor. So uh, Chris and Gina from Hollywood Honor have been friends for I've oh got a long time, and I just the stuff that they would build was so outrageously mind blowing. Um, and they the year they did what was it called uh, Grave Rock Gulch? I think was the name of their western town, and they had this little you know 
what was it like a two bedroom Burbank bungalow, like not even a garage, just like the carport on the side. And they had built a train station, a jail, a general store, a sleuth box, a dentist office, uh, something, a hotel and an entire saloon. And it was walkable. Like you could literally go in and out of these buildings. If you went into the jail, there was a guy in a cell and he was literally breathing. It was like a little mini ghost town from not scary farm. We're not scary farm. That's scary. Farm. Help me now. And, um, I, my mind exploded. I was just like, this is insane. This is incredible. And when I think it was Rick or somebody was like, well, you know, there's others <laughs> like, what are you talking about? There's more of this. And, you know, once we started learning what the community was doing, it was just, yeah, it was a slippery slope of like, oh my God, these are my, like my artists, my back alley artists, friends doing stuff on their own with no corporate overlords. And that's like yeah. my vibe entirely. Yeah. Just it really is. It really is a quintessential outsider artist function. It is, or really art, is. you know, uh, if people don't, understand, don't know what outsider artist is, it's just basically anybody uh, who expresses some sort of artistic um, creation that isn't a professional artist. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, beware of the dark realm. Who's in the film up in Santa Clarita. They're not studio guys. They're not professional artists. Yeah. Scott Sibley is a retired U S postal worker. <laughs> like that's all he does, but he's putting on a haunt. That's it's a full on castle. That's I don't know. But I think we do have a picture of that. We could throw that up because that is that the Beware of the Dark Realm. They're heavy hitters, man. Yeah, and this I mean, is this is last year. This is their this is their small version from yeah. from last year. That was just kind of like a walk up thing. Yeah, wow. but I mean, they're they're postal workers. He's he, he delivered mail for a living and has just learned how to do this over the 29 30 years he's been doing it um wow. and that's i love that about it i love that it's just people expressing themselves in this way and just going full bore like i'm all about over the top and outrageous and this is as over the top and outrageous as you can get and it makes the neighbors unhappy at times which is you know kind of pushes my british anarchy type side <laughs> so well, what was what was the family was it in temecula or like elsinore that built the the dark ride in their garage in their house what was that there's, there's a bunch there's of those now. Couple. There, there's so there there's scott and ashton devanzo they're in ladera ranch they they did mystic motel yeah and that's that's they they actually own Adrenaline Attractions now, which is a company in in the Inland Empire, and they work on different things. And I work with them on on different projects. And uh, there is also uh, another guy, and I'll let Josh speak to this. He and his wife they're fantastic, and they're in the Inland Empire as well. And what these folks are doing is they're now not creating just like walk through attractions; they're creating ride through attractions. Yeah. Josh. You're, I'm guessing you're talking about Cobal Hunter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Brett and Melissa Cobal, uh, we actually had them on our podcast last night. Um, they're building, they've built a dark ride in their backyard and they change it every year. It's a brand new theme every single year. Um, and they didn't do it last year, obviously for obvious reasons, but they're doing it again this year. And they've added like a mini walkthrough to the front of it now. So their queue actually goes through because the, the whole idea now is that you're entering a manor and it's a uh, creepy uncle, something I can't remember the name. Who's like giving you a tour of the manor and you actually walk into the manor in this little mini walkthrough. That's their queue. And they've got, they've got literal like steel queue bars and everything. And it's this 
this house in Riverside. It's just in their backyard. And, you know, they bought Costco garage tents and built a dark ride. And he's to the point of now, he was telling us last night that uh, next year, the carts, because the little vehicles he built are based on mobility scooters. So he basically ripped apart a mobility scooter and then rebuilt it into a custom-made dark ride vehicle that runs along a metal tube track that he kind of you know he can fashion along as you do as you do um but he told us next year it's going to be uh track powered so the the cars are actually going to have their own bus bars yeah and he also told us there's another group i don't remember their name who has created a trackless dark ride in their garage (laughs) which made my head explode (laughs) i'm like these guys it's in their garage it's like this is the stuff 25 years ago disney was just figuring out how to do and now some guy has it in their garage. It's going to get a cease and desist from oceaneering. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they're incredible. And then in Indiana, you've got Chamber uh, Chamber of Souls who's doing a dark ride. Um, they're doing a full on recreation of the Haunted Mansion. Wow! In the backyard, they've built doom buggies. You know, the track is like two or three feet off the ground. They took their deck that you know was you know you open up the back door and there's their deck and their their pool is right next to it, and they've turned it into the Haunted Mansion, and it legit looks like the haunted mansion it is the disneyland walk up to the you know loading platform and you get on a doom buggy and it takes you through their backyard and it moves super slow and they've got you know the speakers for for audio and they're building part of it inside part of it outside it's it's insane and it's two it's a husband and wife just two people that's it and this is like part time (laughs) it's great it's incredible the amount of time and money that people spend on these is just mind-blowing to me it's incredible yeah and you would be shocked at how inexpensive it is at times um like beware of the dark realm for as big as they are, they only spend a couple hundred bucks a year. What? They're not spending thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, it's it's they built a giant dragon at one point um, that works a lot like I think Knots does their it, there's their their puppets where it's like a, a single line from the top and you kind of hold it and you can push it back and push it forward. They built a, a full on dragon head, and it's just garage rubber garage mats that they cut up and glued together and we're able to like carve it down and fashion it up into a dragon. And it looks real. Like it's amazing. Oh, I mean, dragons aren't real, but you know what I mean? It looks like. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? You, what? They're not real. <laughs> Sorry. Wah, wah, wah. Ooh, don't do this to me. <laughs> well, that's, that's a, that brings up a good point. Rick, uh, Rick and I were talking in, uh, before the show about um, talk about building materials and people spending a lot of money or, or not a lot of money on stuff using, you know, recycled materials or recycling things and upcycling things and whatnot. But like, you know, that's been a big issue with Haunters this year, apparently with the yeah. the extreme, especially in, you know, previous months that like the price of lumber is going down. But like three, four months ago when, when home Haunters would start to like think about you know, building what they're going to do this year, the price of building materials was just like astronomical and through the roof. Yeah. And it's had a a big impact this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's delivered a one, two punch. Like last year, obviously the world's on fire. Nobody's doing anything. And then, so everybody's like, okay, 2021, this is the big comeback year. And then, you know, earlier, earlier on in the spring, I start getting, you know, messages saying, dude, I'm not going to be able to do my hop this year because, you know, my dad and I went to, to you know home depot to get start getting stuff and the lumber has gone up like you know what used to cost 16 dollars now costs 60 dollars and and so we're just we're not going to do the haunt again and so this is just COVID has been the the gift that keeps on giving um that said there are a lot of home haunts and a lot of new home haunts that just have been springing up and last year absolutely was the year 
of the home haunter. And they, they literally saved Halloween last year yeah. with all their determination and ingenuity. And uh, this year, you know, I've, my girlfriend and I, we've gone out and we've done like, we've stopped at over 30 home haunts already uh, this, this season. And we've done all the theme park things. So Halloween is really, really strong this year. Um, it feels fairly normal ish. And, uh, but I do, I, I feel really bad for the, for the people that are on budgets or younger haunters that have been saving up their money and, you know, they can't, they can't play again this year because, you know, now there's different reasons that, that, that they can't with, with the COVID, the, the price spikes on, on supplies and it just, it really sucks. So we're hoping that everything has come full circle, you know, next Halloween and everybody can kind of roll up their sleeves and get back to doing what they really, really want to and love. I was just looking up, uh, I'm here in Burbank and one of my favorite haunts here in Burbank is Rotten Apple 907. Oh. And, oh, yeah. uh, I just looked it up online and said, they're doing a show this year. Oh, yeah. October 22nd through 31st. It's London themed this year. Evil yeah. in the London fog. So it's a, I guess, Jack the Ripper theme. There's going to be multiple things going on. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, it's Ripper a bunch of, it's like, yeah, it's like English folklore type things all kind of thrown together yeah it's great i am, I am now super pumped for that yeah it's good actually uh, they're a really good example though you're talking about like recycling materials and stuff so like their storage is insane um mm. but a lot of their flats and their sets and things if you go behind it and you look behind you'll see the studio spray paint you know property of whatever because they just dumpster dive basically at the studios and take a lot of their stuff there's a bunch of the sets that they have there was one of the castle facades they had that was straight off the jimmy kimmel show <laughs> it's jimmy kimmel did something and then they just chucked it and so rotten apple knew somebody and somebody pulled it out of the trash gave it to them they just put the castle up it was like done one and done but their storage is crazy like they've got Twenty thousand square feet or something like that in Acton of outside. Yeah, I was just say, yeah, they're the ones that got flooded out in your in your movie. Spoiler alert! I mean, that's not spoiler, alert, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, they uh, <laughs> not only no. So you want, you want to compound it? So their uh, storage got flooded out um, to the point of giant those big like train shipping containers you see on trains. Though that storage facility has them all like lined up and people can rent them out. Those were picked up and thrown miles downstream. Um, the only reason why their stuff didn't is because one trailer came and I guess hit another trailer and stopped and like went into the dirt. And so all their stuff just kind of threw up against this one, you know, c container. Um, not only did they get flooded, um, but when they went to go tear all their stuff out, there was a giant hive of bees that decided to take residents up in their props and so they had to have like people come out and remove these bees because there were thousands of them uh of which they later found out were killer bees <laughs> so, yeah it's great um and to this day they said uh, we were talking to them a, a couple weeks ago and they were saying they're still you know, digging mud out of all their flats and their their props and stuff yeah and I bet. three or four years that's, that's one of the things i love about the home haunts too and, and home haunters is just like the the dogged determination and dedication that they all have to create their haunts at 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 seemingly all costs. Yep. Physical. No, Rotten Apple, when they got flooded out, that was in July. That was like first or second week in July. And by, you know, whatever it was, September 6th, something, they were building at home. They Incredible. were out there setting it up. Um, and that year, because of how hellish it was, they ended up changing their theme and doing it as the trip through hell. 
So it was you started in a witch's cottage and you went through a portal to hell and just experienced hell because that's what they went through. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember that. Oh, thanks, CJ, yeah, for pulling the up a picture. Yeah, and that's after it had receded because the, the floodwaters were five or so feet high. Uh, Preston Meyer was saying when he was in it, it was up to his his chest, basically, when he was walking wow. through. Yeah, it's, wow. it, it was insane. Totally devastating. No, they lost incredible. a lot of stuff. Patrick, we haven't we haven't heard from you. What what's your experience with home haunts? Have, did did you have you been to a lot, or are are there any in Orlando at all that you go to? Yeah, my, my first experience was um, I got connected with like uh, Gerg um, in, yeah. uh, in in um, California, and he connected me with some friend back when I was um, just trying to start off with themed entertainment, and somebody was building a home haunt in their back front yard, and I actually like volunteered and helped build it. Um, this would have been like 2011 or 10. And it was, it was like a steampunk drill going into the middle of the yard. Um, it was really cool. Uh, and, and I didn't know, no idea that there's this whole huge wide community out there at the time. Um, down the street from us, somebody's building a little haunted house. <laughs> so that's cool. So there, I'm sure there is stuff out there. And Greg got started. Uh, he worked on the Hallowed Haunting Grounds, if I remember, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. He was one of Gary's crew. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's what it's like all here. And obviously, you know, we have the the professional uh, haunted house, you know, the HHN and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think there's yeah, there's there, there's hopefully room to grow. But this well, Josh, you're Josh, you're in Orlando, too. Like uh, what are what are haunts that come to mind for you? There's a couple. Um, so the the best home haunt I've seen here in Orlando is actually in Winter Park um, or not Winter Park, Winter Garden, Florida. Every I always get those two mixed up, too. Yeah, and there's there's a Winter Haven. Uh, yeah. and there's a I don't know. It's Florida's obsession. Not helpful. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you're in Florida. It's got hot. Stop calling your yeah. stuff winter. It's not going to change anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but Winter Park, Winter Garden. Uh, there's a home haunt. Uh, it's called uh, Echoes of Nightmares Past. I don't know if uh, he's doing it this year. It's Jeremy Kent. He's actually uh, works for Universal Creative. Um, his haunt is in sane we filmed it a couple years ago so there's a, a, a there's a full walkthrough on our youtube channel if anyone wants to check it out but it's he has 300 square feet in his garage and it's just him like he has wow. no help no generally no scare actors it's just him um and what he produces is obnoxious it is so good and it feels like it goes on forever he does that whole that you know, you just constantly doing angles back and forth on each other to try to make things feel larger. Um, his is crazy though. He's kind of a party guy. Like it literally ends in his kitchen, uh, <laughs> and anybody who goes through the haunt, he invites to hang out and stay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he just throws parties every night. So, yeah, I'm sure his neighbors love him. They, yeah. so what was the name of that again? Uh, I think it was Echoes of Nightmares Past, I think is what it was called, uh, at least the year we did it. Um, I don't know if he changes the name every year, but that was the year when we went. Um, there's another home haunt up in uh, da -da -da -da, in Baldwin Park, which is up kind of like in Orlando, Orlando. Um, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of their haunt. Um, that one's interesting, too, because it's in a townhome. Um, we actually filmed them as well. It was dark something. There's so many of them, I can't remember the names. Um but that one's You're actually going into their home, you go into their home, into the foyer. And then you make a right into their garage. And then they've partnered with a couple of houses next door. And so you're going through like three or four of these garages in this townhome, And then you go outside the garage through like a corn maze that they've set up. Um, it's pretty cool. That one's neat. Cause it's, it's not, 
they don't have a lot of like high end stuff. So a lot of their walls are literally just cardboard boxes that they've sort of stapled, you know, together. And, but what they've put together is, is great. And it's a super long, um, super long hunt. Um, and there's a couple of displays. Uh, there's some really neat little displays here and there. There is, however, a new home haunt this year that normally only does a Christmas haunt. Uh, they're doing one for Halloween. Um, and it was like slaughter. I was trying to look it up, um, but my Instagram's being extremely annoying right now. Um, it's slaughter something. I'll try to find links. I'm the worst ever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they're doing a full full on walkthrough. They've sent me a couple of, a couple of pictures. Like they've got a giant pallet maze in their backyard and, and there's stuff in the garage. So there's a few here in Florida. And there's not a ton, but there's a few. One of my one of my favorite home haunts ever is uh, it was put on by my friends uh, Gavin and Jason Fox, uh, who are uh, now they're creative directors at at Frame Store in London, but they they do work on a lot of haunted or a lot of themed entertainment attractions now. Um, I worked on a couple of big rides with them now, uh, but I was introduced to them by uh, their uh, YouTube video Fangoria 2010, and I put the YouTube link in the chat. Uh, where they built a time machine. So this yeah. all happened in their like 200 square foot garage in London. And they built this time machine on wheels that you would get in and they would turn it around and you would go out into different scenes and then get back into the time machine and turn it and they turn it and you go into another scene. You can watch the video. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And that's how me and like Dave Cobb and others like got to be friends with them. We just reached out and we're just like, holy shit, this is the most incredible thing we've ever seen. Tell us more. And, um, you know, and now, you know, we work with them semi-regularly you know, i remember when that video made the rounds and was a thing it was pretty mind-blowing and yeah. it was also pretty like oh it's not here in la you know yeah. type, type of thing <laughs> like where is this thing and they're like yeah. well, long walk uh <laughs> yeah so yeah but and they're, yeah. they're doing that They've done a lot of, uh, they did another show that was like voodoo based that was similarly elaborate, but like voodoo themed with a big trick table that they built in their garage. And I know they're, they're up to something this year. I don't know what it is. I saw on Facebook and Instagram, they were building this giant skeleton hand. I can't wait to see what they do. And they do it. This is a one night only thing. They only do it on Halloween. So, you know, it's, it's one of those incredible one night only things. That's how Cobalt Hunter was with their dark ride for a long time. Mm. Like only on Halloween. Now they're doing four nights this year. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. I found the name. So that one haunt that's brand new this year, it's Carnies of Devil's Bayou. Uh, Carnies of Devil's, Devil's Bayou? Bayou. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't very know. welcoming. It's a very, so, welcoming. it's a very welcoming name. It is. It is. Carnies uh, of Devil's Bayou. Yeah, they open October 15th. Um, the elevator thing that was interesting. So Wicker Manor, which is in uh, Colorado, uh, they're doing an elevator deal this year. They turned their, it's like 300 square foot garage. Uh, everything's, everything's like two or 300 square feet. You don't need a lot of room for this stuff, but they turned their little 300 square foot garage and they built a full on mine. And then you, wow. you, know, you start the mine, you get into an elevator and they built the elevator and had some, I don't know what he does, but he does something in film with a bunch of like CG artists. So he had uh, somebody at Pixar, I think he said, did this animation, this 3D animation thing for his TV in the elevator. So it looks like you're going down. It's on airbags. Um, and then something terrible happens and you fall to the floor of the mine shaft and there's zombies and things. And it's, it's, you know, it's crazy, but their, their haunt looks insane. They actually, their walls and the mine is insane. And he, 
when we were touring it, he we were kind of trying to figure out like where did you get these? Like they're they're really he didn't make them like clearly like they're really good. He contacted a local zoo apparently and found the company that makes exhibits for the zoo and called that company wow. and had them make him rock walls because he had to have them like 14 feet tall and a specific width. And so he had them make cave walls and he painted them up to make them look like they were this, you know, middle of Nevada mine shaft type that yellowy sand look. And uh, yeah, at one point you go into a room and it explodes. It's this whole thing. And it's like 300 square feet. And all these wow. guys do it yeah. for free. Like they're, they're they'll, they'll, they'll take donations, but usually it's for charity. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's free entry and it's, they're doing it just to improve their neighborhood. And I think it's incredible. It was one of the big reasons why, you know, after we started learning about the community, we were like, we need to like, people need to know about this. Like there's these guys doing this stuff literally for just their neighbors, just to make sure there's a safe place for their neighbors to go. You know, talking about boot Hill, you know, the street that boot Hill is on, they close it off pretty much except for to residents every night. And it becomes a party for the neighborhood. Um, and it's a safe place for all the kids to come, go through a maze, cook some candy, hang out. And it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that you mentioned the community of haunters and that's, you know, the incredible solidarity, you know, and sort of it's friendly competition. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah. you know, us versus them or like who can be the best or whatever. It's just like, you know, uh, I think it was it was in your documentary where you were talking about you, you showed like the like the weekly uh, like uh, demonstrations on how to yeah. build various um effects and things like that you know you know rotating um cast of characters and locations you know where where different people would would share different techniques and and help teach you know yeah. young up-and-coming haunters on how on how certain effects are made yes yeah, places like uh socal uh, socal haunters valley haunters and cal haunts and all those different groups that just come together and teach each other how to make stuff um yeah. in the documentary it was it was greg packard um who That's unfortunately right. they're not doing a haunt this year but it's wrestle souls manor they're doing a display this year um but they you know he was teaching how to make fireflies it was like those pirates of the caribbean fireflies and everyone just buys a kit and they just come out they were all that was all at uh that was at diana preston's house actually um and they were just all you know under some tents learning how to make some stuff and that's what they do all the time. And there's so many resources, you know, for people to go on to. You've Hollywood Haunter doing stuff. You've got Derek Young, Van Oaks Props, or SoCal Valley Haunt List doing weekly videos. Um, you have Monster, is it Monster Maker uh, doing stuff. And then there's Wicked Makers uh, that, that are doing free tutorials. And there's so much information. Like what we're saying, like in the 90s, like how did you ever figure this stuff out? Like now you just three clicks and you'll learn how to do it. The camaraderie is really, really intense here in Southern California. And I think that's what gives this region kind of a leg up on, on other things too, where you have a group like Cal haunts, where if you just decide one day, I want to become a haunter, you go. And then suddenly you're there with 20 or 30 kindred spirits and, and they get you and they get, you know, they're, they're there for you. And they, they teach you how to do things and you're instantly in the fold. You know, it's it, it's it's um, like finding the island of misfit toys if you are one of them, and suddenly you belong, one of us, one of us. And um, you know, I think that that's really uh, that's kind of part of the secret ingredient of what makes SoCal so so incredibly uh, uh, storied when it comes to Halloween and the haunt displays. And you know, Cal haunts. You know, huge shout out to them. They're the ones that create the amazing entryway to the Hall of Shadows. 
uh, every year, you know, at, at Midsummer Scream. And they are going to be creating also um, uh, an entryway to the Hall of Yuletide Spirits at Season Screamings, which we're having the weekend before Christmas here in Pasadena. And so we're really, really excited about that. They're creating, it's kind of like a, oh God, I don't even know if we've talked about it, but it, it's kind of like a Dickens, it, it's, a, it's a, a Christmas carol. You know, with, with the village and the graveyard and, and Scrooge and all that stuff, and that's going to be that, that's going to be the that's going to be the entryway to our Hall of Yuletide spirits. So we're Rick, really excited to have them on board doing that. Rick, would you say that there would be a Midsummer Scream without Home Haunters? Um, you know, I, I, there would be a Midsummer Scream, but it wouldn't have the components to it that make Midsummer Scream special, in my opinion. Like we wouldn't be what we are without the hall of shadows, right? You can go to a Comic-Con, you can go to, uh, you know, a Fangoria weekend of horrors, you know, whatever. Um, conventions, a conventions, a convention, everybody's got panels, everybody's got classes, everybody's got vendors, everybody's got live entertainment. What most people don't have, in fact, no one has is 100,000 square feet of blackness that is filled up by home haunts and haunted displays where it's like a virtual theme park uh, inside. And people love that. And we, we host thousands and thousands of people a day through there. Uh, next year is our fifth anniversary finally in Long Beach. Wow. And we're looking at having upwards of 50,000 people from around the world, you know, come to that. And uh, the majority of those people will pass through the Hall of Shadows at some point. There are some people that come and spend the entire weekend and never leave the Hall of Shadows. So it's kind of like whatever they want to do, you know, at midsummer. We have so much going on that it's like a, a buffet of, of Halloween and horror stuff that you can just indulge whatever you want for the entire, you know, weekend. Um, so, no, I, I mean, Midsummer is successful in the way that we are successful, uh, the same way that Scarolay, we, you know, we created Scarolay. And um, those two things, the trajectory was so incredible. It wasn't a mistake. I mean, we are ground zero for, you know, the haunt community as far as the theme parks. I mean, it started, you know, almost 50 years ago at Not Scary Farm which is the granddaddy of all haunts, you know, uh, theme park haunts. And then, you know, you have things like Hallowed Haunting Grounds in the 70s that, that caused this explosion that we have now. Of, I mean, we go out almost every night and we will not see everything here in Southern California this okay. season because there's yeah. so much and, 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 it's, and it, it, it's amazing. And so we have that, we have that um, palette to use and we have that buffet to choose from when we're creating a Midsummer Scream. And so, no, Midsummer would not exist as it is now without the home haunters and, and, and the haunt selection here in Southern California. It wouldn't be as successful in the middle of Ohio. It wouldn't work out probably in, you know, Mississippi. There are haunts there, but not to the extent of what we have here. We have the entertainment. We have the themed entertainment. We've got the home haunt folks. It's all kind of right here. And so that's why we don't replicate Midsummer really anywhere else. Because uh, it, it, it can't, you can't transplant that. Because the home haunters really aren't going to go, you know, if we decide to do it in Texas. Home haunters from SoCal, they're not going to bring all their crap to, to Texas to set up for a weekend. So um, it, it is what it is because of where we are and who's involved. Well, you're you're taking a trip to New Orleans this this month, aren't you, to go down to yeah. New Orleans and check out some of the stuff there? It's, tell yeah. me what you're you're going to see there. Yeah. So my girlfriend Nova and I, we we really like to get out and, and at least 
go one place every Halloween season to see how Halloween is done elsewhere, you know, and in, in 2019, we went from, you know, to Hawaii, to Las Vegas, to New Orleans, to Fresno. And, uh, you know, we, we saw all these amazing haunts. And then of course, everything here and boy, we landed in New Orleans and, you know, New Orleans is amazing anyway. But I'm telling you, if you've got to pick like one place to go check out at Halloween, New Orleans knows how to do Halloween. So what we're looking at here is a picture. It's a home haunt that we didn't even know about. We just kind of like found it and it, it's called the, the Skeleton House. And it's this huge sprawling property. And this what you're seeing in the picture here. This is probably about one quarter of the display because the yard goes forever with huge trees with hanging moss, you know, the, the, re the real Spanish moss, you know, <laughs> hanging and, and every year they change, they add to and change the skeletons and there it's kind of like a, a rip on, on like, you know, who's in the news and what, what's going on. And it's very family friendly. It's not gross. It's not, it's not uh, off color. It's just, it's fantastic. And so that that's there. There's another house that I kind of can't remember. It's right off, it's either in the French Quarter or right off the French Quarter, uh, Monster Manor, maybe, I think it's called. I don't know. But there are also pro haunts in the New Orleans area that are unbelievable. We went to one in Baton Rouge, which is about 90 minutes outside of New Orleans. Uh, we're going to go to and visit again because it was so good. It was literally the, it was the best haunt, the best haunted attraction I've ever I've ever been to. Sorry. I love everybody else, but it's the 13th Gate, and it is... It, my mind just exploded going through this thing. It was just so, so bitching and so well done on, on all levels. Um, so we can't wait to go back because of course last year just doesn't exist. Yeah. Nobody got to play like, like last year was just like in, into the void, right? There's, there's nothing that you can really say good about getting out and doing anything in 2020. And so we were grounded with the rest of the world. And so we weren't going to do anything really this year, but we were like, you know what? Things are opening up. We're just like itching like hell to get to get out and see other things. And, you know, we really toyed with going somewhere brand new. And it came down to, look, I don't want to go experience something brand, brand new with the stupid masks on. I, I just don't I just don't want to do this. So we already we're very familiar with New Orleans. We love New Orleans. It's kind of like a weekend getaway. We, we, we have our favorite restaurants. We know what we like to do there. And so we're like, you know what? Let's go back to New Orleans. Let's visit our friends at New Orleans Nightmare, which is a major haunt there that's owned by 13th Floor Entertainment Group. And let's go visit our friends at 13th Gate in Baton Rouge. And let's see what else is out there. And so Nova goes online and she's finding different things for us to do. And we reached out to a, a big haunt out there called Rise. And Rise is, is about an hour, hour and 15 minutes or so, I guess, outside of New Orleans. We're going to go do that. We reached out to them, and they're excited to have us. And so it, it's great when you get to get out of your bubble to go check other places out and see how they do things. And it also completely, like, affirms, you know, in, in your mind, you're like, well, this is all great. It's wonderful. But the home haunts and the, and the, and the quality of, and the, the complexity of our home haunts here like nowhere compares to SoCal. So what we have here is something very, very special uh, when, when it comes to the SoCal um, home haunt scene. Uh, but yeah, the, the pro haunts and stuff, boy, if you can get out and travel around at Halloween, do it and just, you will find that, that America is full of fantastic haunted attractions. Well, that's the truth. I mean, would you say, I mean, I know that a lot of, 
people in Southern California here. I won't say SoCal. I'm not going to do it. In Southern California, you just did. You lose. <laughs> I've lost the game. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, I know that a lot of people uh, have used uh, their home haunts as a gateway into the industry. Um, you know, like I said, Keith Kaminsky, uh, my friend, is art director, does a big home haunt. He yeah. started doing home haunts, and then he became an art director for the themed entertainment. Would you say that that without a doubt, would you say that some of the these big pro haunts like you were talking about, do you think that the people who started them started with home haunts and it's like kind of like a gateway to building like a big pro haunt? Can you yeah. give any examples? Yeah, I think so. Like Reign of Terror in Thousand Oaks, they started as a home haunt. Mm -hmm. um, you know, John Murdy, he, people have heard that name before. He started doing like little things, you know, at his oh, house. Really? I didn't know that. So, I mean, it, it really kind of all usually starts at home you know it's something that is in your dna you want to be a haunter and you you know like i i can say like when when we started doing boot hill over 20 years ago you know it we loved the turnout and then we settled on this like western theme and really kind of built that out and added your soundtrack or whatever and suddenly a couple hundred people came and now they're at the point where thousands of people come and then you're like I want to come see this. And it becomes like this drug, right? Like you, you want to entertain the masses. And then there, there's, I mean, you can attest to this. There's, there's something very satisfying sitting back and listening to thousands of people cheering for something that you've had a hand in creating. For sure. And I think for a lot of the people, yeah, that's a gateway into themed entertainment. I think also for some people, it's uh, a great way to express their creativity without being involved in the politics and the pulling out of hair that comes with being in the themed entertainment. Because you you are your own boss and you don't have some creative director that's clueless going, no, I think it should be this way. Well, why? Because I think it should be this way. You know, right. so you don't have to, you know, you know, answer to those to those folks. So, you know, and, and in a way, I don't do home haunts at all because I'm busy seeing all the home haunts. And Glenn Schmidt and Shea Foley have gone on and done a great job with, with Boot Hill. And we certainly go to visit every year. But, um, you know, it, it, I work in the industry. I, I've worked in the themed entertainment industry for, for 10 years now. And as a show writer and creative director, you know, it's, it's a blue moon when, when I'm working on, on the concept of things that something I work on actually comes to fruition. And if it does, it's so far down the line and it is so different than what the concept was usually, I don't even recognize it or remember that I worked right. on it. It's, right. you know, so doing something like Midsummer Scream where I get to assemble the haunters and, and come up with what we're going to have in the Hall of Shadows or some of the bigger panel presentations that we have, I know that that's an 18-month process. And at the end of that 18-month process, barring pandemics that shut the world down, um, we will be having thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming through and enjoying what we've worked on. So I know that as a creator, I have that outlet that is cyclical and it is a, a done deal, you know, every, every year, every year when we, when we put these shows on. So it's a fantastic outlet. I think for some, it is a great way to get into the industry. It's not a guarantee by, by any stretch. And I think that our industry now speaking of themed entertainment, is going to forever be very different than it was 
pre-2020. Um, I think that there will be fewer opportunities because people have learned to wear multiple hats. And uh, I, I just think that these companies have learned to work and, and create things on a, a greater uh, downsizing of, of their, their teams. And I think that that will continue because that means it costs yeah. them less to have these monstrous teams when you can do it with a handful of people. Yeah. Uh, which we should point out is the way that Disney created some of its greatest attractions back in the day, like Pirates and Mansion, with a handful of really, really created yeah. people, you know, working on these things. And so um, is it a ticket to success professionally? Don't know. Uh, there are a lot of pro haunters that have said, I want to go, I, uh, home haunters that have gone pro haunt that have crashed and burned. And it's because it's a completely different beast, man. It, it's like going from uh, an automatic transmission car to, uh, or better yet, going from an automatic transmission to to a manual transmission, because there's so many things that you don't know how to do that that some people just crash and burn, and suddenly it's not fun anymore. Right. Um, so some people progress, some people stay where they are. At the end of the day, I would say 90% or better of haunters get a lot of self satisfaction and a lot of happiness out of what they do. Otherwise, they they don't do it. And when you talk to haunters that own the big home haunts, like like Beware the Dark Realm or, or Rotten Apple or, or whatever, they've been doing it for decades with an S. I mean, they've been doing it a long time, longer than a lot of their fans have been alive in some cases. Well, Rotten yeah. Apple, this is their 30th year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, 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 they don't do it because it's a schlog. They do it because they love it. And it's expensive and it's challenging. And every year I'm sure there's, I'm never doing this again, you know, moments. But they do and they get bigger and better and they're beautiful. And boy, is the world a better place for it. I agree. I was actually going to say one really good example of a home haunter going pro would be Kyle and Aurora from Murder House Productions who have been doing some some pro stuff recently. They just got done doing uh, a display on, um, well, I guess it's Wisteria Lane now, but the, the neighborhood back, uh, street on the universal backlot. They just got hired to do a display there. So right. there's definitely home hunters who are moving into the professional space. Um, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a natural progression because Andy, a lot of these, a lot of these younger generation home haunters, they are involved in the next gen in TEA and, and mm -hmm. they know of the, and these are things like, like the next gen and this TEA stuff that didn't even exist back in when Gary Korb was doing stuff. Right. Yeah. So there, there wasn't that kind of progressive, you know, step. It wasn't like, you know, somebody wow. like Moody Sklard is going to come along and say, hey, this is a great home haunt. Why don't you come <laughs> make a million dollars as an Imagineer? And, you know, yeah. it just doesn't happen, right? So, but now there is Next Gen and there's, there's TEA and there's TEA at USC and there's all these outlets that, that are bringing up wonderful talents. And uh, so, no, I think that sky's the limit for these things. And it's really Boy, the, the opportunity is there today more than it's ever been. Well, uh, it, it just occurred to me, I just remembered that uh, Garner, your friend and mine, Garner Holt, uh, he got his start by building, when he was a teenager, I think he was like 16, he built a self-contained, standalone, freestanding haunted attraction, haunted house in the Mall of Orange in Orange, California. I remember because I went to it when I was a, a very small kid, like, too young to probably go to one of these because my mom i knew about it because my mom worked at the travel agency uh like that was like right across from this attraction and so i went on this thing and i i have uh vivid memories of it and um uh, one time i i told talked to garner about it and he couldn't believe that, yeah. that 
that I remembered that or and and that that got him started because he built all the mechanical effects for it. There were there were a lot of mechanical yeah. effects inside the attraction, and that got him started uh, down down that road of building animatronics and other mechanical effects that he is now world famous for. He's one of the top top yeah. tier animatronic builders, you know, for Universal and Disney. He's the heir. Yeah. That's actually how I, met, that's how I met Garner. Like back in the day, if anybody remembers, I did a little thing called Theme Park Adventure, and TPA hey. had had an, a website that I would write all these personal, you know, blogs and editorials or whatever on. And I wrote about because people were very often asking about my Halloween origin story, you know, how I got into everything. And I say, look, well, like the, the earliest pro haunt that I can remember is that my grandfather took me to the Central City Mall in San, San Bernardino, which is now the Carousel Mall, I believe. And that there was this black trailer haunted house sitting outside the, the movie theater in the in the atrium. And I begged my grandfather to let me go through this. And I'm writing about all this. And I get email the next day from Garner Holt saying, oh, my God, that was mine when I was 15. I did that, and that was my very first, you know, attempt at, at a haunt or whatever. And I, and so that's how I got to know Garner, not through TPA, not through you know meetings or or going, you know, whatever. It was because I wrote about my very first pro haunt experience that I remember, and he was like, "Oh my God, somebody remembers! This is amazing!" And so he reached out to me, and we've been friends, you know, for decades now, ever ever since. That's amazing. Yeah, Garner's Garner's a great guy. I love him a lot. Yeah, yeah. random Garner Holt, Holt story, not necessarily related. And I'll take three seconds. My mother went on a blind date with him like 20-something years ago. <laughs> I almost just spit my coke out. <laughs> and that's the next episode. <laughs> Sponsored by Malibu Rum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, because that was yeah, she, she she did that pre-Chuck E. Cheese because he was the guy who did the uh, Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. That was like yeah. his big thing, right? Wasn't that what that got was him? his bread and butter for a long time, yeah. That yeah, was the Chuck E. Cheese stuff. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, Patrick, he, he must have gotten the contract. Yeah, Patrick, you have, you have some questions. Here. Yeah, Rick, we heard earlier your favorite was uh, one in Baton Rouge. You know, Josh and Andy, do you have favorites? Uh, haunted haunt experiences? Oh, God, pro or home? What are, are we doing? Uh, uh, let's do um, home. Oh, God, there's so many. Um, let me think. Let me think. I honestly, I mean, it, it might be, I don't, know, it's not, I don't think it's a cop out, but I, I have to say, and I, I love all home hunters. You all are amazing. I have to say that you all are fantastic. Uh, I think. I think if I had to, if like there was one that I had to be like this one, this is the my. I think Rotten Apple. I think Diane and Preston, a Rotten Apple do an obnoxious job every year, and yeah. the fact that they change their theme every single year, the amount of detail they go into, and their passion behind it is just. It's uh, there's no comparison. They're amazing. I one quick. I got to jump back real quick, Patrick. I, there is an absolute difference between favorite and best in yeah. like in my opinion. Right. So yeah. the most polished pro haunt that I've ever been to the most mind blowingly, Holy crap haunt that I've ever been to is 13th floor it is 13th gate in, in Baton Rouge. Um, I have my favorites obviously. And I grew up with not scary farms. So that's my favorite, you know, theme park event. Uh, it's not always the best, the components of it, not always the best, um, but it's my favorite. So, and, and Josh is spot on. Like when it comes to home haunts, man, that's that's like literally asking you like to pick your favorite child. Yeah, and yeah. most parents have favorite kids and they won't tell you, but, but, but really with the home haunts, it's really hard because they each have their own forte. They, they each have their... 
they they have their own thing that they bring to it. Like I could easily say, well, my favorite was Hallowed Haunting Grounds because it was so legendary. But you know, there have been things since like Rotten Apple uh, or Beware the Dark Realm or you know any of these things that we go to that you know you fall in love with. You know, you you fall in love every season with these new home haunts, and um, so. Ooh, favorite is a hard word. And I, I've been asked that ever since I, you know, did Halloween stuff with TPA. What's your favorite? And I would always say, taking a pass on that, because there's I love them all. You know, you you really you do love all of them. And that's not a cop-out. That that is the way it is. And I think that that's why I certainly spend so many time, so much time and so much resource um traveling to see these these haunts, right? It's not free to do that. And certainly Josh can attest. It ain't free creating a documentary for six years uh, about about home haunts and getting ready to jump right back in and do chapter two now. Um, we do this because we love it and we do it um, because we we just we're fans, right? We're fans first. And that goes back to Midsummer. Midsummer is, I think, successful because we are fans first and we create the show that we want to go to yeah. as fans. So getting getting to have something like the Hall of Shadows where we can kind of pick and showcase different haunters. What a great seat of, of, of privilege to be in, yeah. to be in that situation where we finally can say, well, yeah, I'm going to come hang out at your house for five minutes and take pictures, but I would like you to come to Long Beach and set this up so it can be on a world platform with thousands of people coming to see this and then seeing it broadcast all over the world on videos and on YouTube and all this. What a great opportunity to be able to give back to the community that way. And I, it just, to me, that is, that is my single favorite part of being part of Midsummer Scream is being able to give home haunters this spotlight that they normally wouldn't have and this chance to show the world literally what they do. Yeah. It's Shout incredible. Out. Shout out to home haunters, by the way, sorry to interrupt. Cause I, I don't know if people realize like they're building full on like mini mazes at during hollow shadows and they have what, two days to put it together and like Hopefully about 24 hours. hours. Yeah. And in like four hours to tear it down. Like, yeah. and it's amazing the stuff that they're putting together. And it's just total shout out to those guys. Cause yeah. I could it's not, not easy. It's not easy. It is not. Yeah. Sorry, I, 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 I love that you managed to turn that into a plug for Midsummer Screen. That was fantastic. <laughs> Yay. Midsummerscream.org. <laughs> uh, my favorite. I mean, I don't get to a lot of home haunts. Uh, I do as many as I can here in the Valley. Uh, by the valley, I mean San Fernando Valley, uh, and there's so many here just in Burbank alone. Um, yeah, I, I have to say, um, just for um, sheer scale and dedication, I love the backwoods maze uh, here uh, in Burbank, mainly because, like, every year, I mean, they it's a it is a permanent fixture of their backyard they've turned their entire backyard and here in burbank the lots are about a quarter of an acre generally and their entire backyard so like an eighth of an acre is this permanent you know wooden maze that they that they dress differently every year they have different effects and different props and whatnot but i i just i'm so i'm always so impressed with the, just the dedication of just like well this is our life now and this is our backyard it's just yeah. this haunted attraction forever you can see it from you know, on the satellite you know this this backyard full of <laughs> wooden mazes yeah it's yeah. incredible uh, you know that was a father-son uh, mm-hmm. crew and, and mom was involved also but and, and sister but i mean dad and son you know doing this up and um they haven't done it for a few years now and it's one of those things that once it's gone boy do you really miss it it's like it's yeah. like losing 
friend. Uh, don't know that they're going to do it again, but certainly it lives on. I shot it for years on, on, on TPA. So you can go to theme park adventures, YouTube channel, which is still around and you can find years of, of the backwoods here in Burbank. I think was, and, the uh, last year was 2018, I think, wasn't it? Around then 17 or 18. Yeah. 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 And then of course COVID and a lot of haunts aren't coming back, you know, from that boot Hill hasn't done their thing now for two years. COVID obviously squashed it in 20, and this year they just, like so many people, had a hard time finding anybody that would commit to come out and do it, and they still weren't sure at that point. When when you got to pull the trigger, people realize you don't pull the trigger on a home haunt like three weeks out. You, yeah. you pull the trigger like five or six months out because yeah. you got to really plan, and depending on you know what level you're going to, something like Boot Hill, you take almost a year to plan everything. Yeah, and yeah. so it's hard. You're playing the waiting game. There's Delta. There's Lambda, Lambda, Lambda. You know, whatever these variants are coming out, right? And they had to make a decision. And they didn't have any. They didn't have anybody that would, like, commit. And then, of course, again, there's the building cost, you know? And so they, sadly, they're dark this year, too, with full intent to come back next year. But you know what? Every year that you don't do a haunt, you lose that muscle memory, man. And building a haunt the size of Boot Hill, even though it seems like it's the same thing every year, it takes a lot, man. And, and, and when you take two years off and you're in your 50s or, you know, whatever you are when you're, when you're a haunter building these things, you start thinking, well, maybe we're just going to start visiting things from now on. Yeah, so that was good. Things do go away. There is no guarantee that they can't come back. You know. Yeah, I mean, I was going to mention this. Like, we're not, none of us are getting any younger, and I can imagine, right. you know, the, some of these crews that have been around for, you know, twenty, thirty years doing this, that they're just sort of aging out of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, Preston and Diane. Uh, we go back to Rotten Apple, or even you know, Pam and Greg. They do Restless Souls. Yeah. You know, these aren't old people, but they're not young people, and they are retirement age and they want to enjoy and, and be able to do things. And it's a, it's a tough, tough challenge to, to build these things. Yeah. It, hell it's hard for me to, I'm come on. I'm, I'm coming up on 52 and sure. I'm not old, but I'm certainly not young. I'm tired just driving around, like looking at all the stuff that we look at. <laughs> if I'm tired traveling around, seeing things that people are building, I know that the people that are my age or older that are building these things and then working them every night, Forget it. That's that's dedication on a whole other level, man. It's that is superhuman. I have a question. Yeah. So you, you kind of have you know you have the hall um, hall of shadows, correct? At the, the yeah. yeah, and you know it's kind of an interesting concept to bring everybody there to one spot to kind of be able to fill out a room. And I, I want to get to midsummer one of these days. Um, I will. Yes. Um, I can't wait for that. Um, has there been any precedent for? let's just say a group of 10 or eight to 10 home haunters to come together and like get a commercial space and like build something and try to establish um, a haunt experience. that's more commercial. We have, um, we had uh, the guys from screaming stream here in Orlando that created something uh, from nothing just because of COVID. Are there any cases of that working out um, out there in LA? So people talk about that all the time. And for anybody in the industry, I said, that's like having 10 creative directors on one project. Right. You tell me how that's going to work out. It's that's a big ask, and typically it doesn't work out. Uh, we've seen that play out in something like uh, there's there was a haunt here, Coffin Creek. They still are up and running, but years ago, uh, friends of ours that, that that 
work at Garner Holt. They still work at Garner Holt. They had two hunts there that were fantastic. And their hunts that were there were by far the strongest components of Crawford Creek. Yet at the end of the day, when money and all that stuff gets divvied up, the people that maybe had haunts there that weren't as good, they're getting the same amount of money. And so there's that business aspect that's very challenging to that. And that's not my story to tell because I was not involved in that. Um, but I can see how that'd be very challenging. And um, creative-wise, man, just, just you know how it is. Like if, if you've got like a handful of creatives all working on something, we all know that it's not kumbaya and Tinkerbell dust. I mean, it's it's a lot of disagreeing and a lot of, oh, come on, man. There's a lot of back and forth on any creative project. So, yeah, you got something as volatile as Haunters. And Haunters, they're volatile. You know, you, you get them in, in a situation where it's like 10 of them trying to flesh out something. I personally don't think that works. I have friends that think that that would work, and they talk about doing that all the time. I just I've seen it end poorly before in, in, in real life and just in theory, working with creatives and knowing how creatives function and knowing how I function as a creative. I don't want to have 10 other cooks in the kitchen with me. So, I mean, I would say no, that, that it's better just to have standalone experiences where everybody's their own captain rather than throwing everybody together into a mush pot. And you probably end up with mush. Yeah. The uh, the auteur theory of haunts stands, I think, as as the the best uh, formula. So, so Josh, um, I have a couple more questions. What tell us about your new documentary coming out? So, you, we no. have haunts available on Amazon Prime <laughs> right now. Um, what what's the future for you? Yeah, so the documentary is currently on Amazon Prime. Um, very annoying. If anybody had wanted to see it recently, Amazon actually just removed it from being free um they went through a huge part of their library and basically anything that they didn't self-produce they're no longer allowing to be free with prime um so you can still rent it um but you can get it on amazon you can also get it on vimeo on demand so if you're not in uh either the uk or the us uh if you have access to vimeo you can rent it um or purchase it through their platform um we're working with um, Amazon to try to get it to the only other two countries they'll let us in is Germany and Japan. So we're working with it to get it there um, and hopefully maybe working with some distributors to try to get it to other countries. Um, our original distrib distributor um, basically closed its doors, went out of business and never told us. Um, and so, you know, they got us into some other platforms that we were never paid for. So <laughs> we had a fun experience with that. Um, so we're, we strictly went with Amazon, um, and then Vimeo cause we control those entirely. Um, unless Amazon decides to allow us to not be free. Um, chapter two, we actually just announced it a couple weeks ago. We've been, we were going to start last year. Um, and then COVID uh, happened. And so we, that kind of you know, stopped us from doing it. And then um, we thought, okay, well, maybe we can you know, wrangle COVID into this. And that's an interesting thing to try to explore, see how home hunters overcame it. Um, and we're still exploring that a little bit, but that's become a lot less of the uh, what the story is going to be. Um, the whole... For idea with the first episode, so I guess what will officially be called chapter one, uh, was kind of setting the foundation, right? Like a lot of people don't know what in the heck home hunting is. I mean, clearly, I mean, this, this episode, right? Um, so if you watch the first um, chapter, it's it's split up into uh, little definitions and, and 
thing, you know, by the end, we actually define what an epic home haunt is. Um, that was very purposeful to just, here's four examples. This is what it is. Now you understand. We'll move into chapter two now. And now we can see how crazy it actually is across the country um, and what all these people are doing and all the different things. We're looking at, hopefully, we had four haunters in the first film. We're looking at closer to 40 in wow. this film. Um, so there won't be an, as much time spent on each haunt. Obviously, if you take 90 minutes divided by 40 people, everyone gets like 70 seconds of screen time. So, it's, you know, there's not going to be a lot of heavy focus on one haunt, but hopefully, you know, it'll shine a light on what a lot of people are doing uh, that aren't in LA and, you know, can, you know, people in Indiana or people in Florida or people in Washington. Um, We've talked to a bunch of people, hopefully getting some old school haunters on. You know, we've got, you know, Troy, who used to run Halloween Hellmouth up in Seattle or Washington, the Seattle area, um, who now still vlogs every day, but he doesn't do a, a professional haunt. There's a lot of people who got into home haunting watching his vlogs um, and were super into it. So, you know, talking to people about things like that. How did you get into it? What's the old school stuff? What's out there now? Um, there's so many more makers. We only had Hollywood Haunter on the first time. You know, now we have Van Oaks props and we have Wicked Makers. We have Monster Maker. You know, there's all kinds of people to talk to and show how big it is. Um, and we're already talking about a, a chapter three. <laughs> oh, I need to take a nap already. Um, because there's we have haunts from Canada, the UK, and Australia reaching out. So yeah. there it's a world, like, like Josh said, it, it's a worldwide thing. And the funny thing with Josh is like the past, you know, few years we, we talk about whatever. And, and I say, we, you know, when, when's the next one coming out? And Josh is like, there's nothing. But he's always filming stuff. And I'm like, dude, you don't even know it, but you're already making chapter two. When he conceded and said, we're going to do it. I was like, mm -hmm, you've been revving up for this. I know. Yeah, um, no, I mean, we've been shooting, so, yeah. Yeah, but it's true. There are home haunts everywhere. Like, we're we're getting ready to, to go to Las Vegas here pretty soon, and there are there are home haunts in Las Vegas. There are home haunts in Orlando. There are home haunts, you know, name the state. What they yeah, don't have right. is uh, they don't have a great aggregator. Like, like, we have here, my roadmap is the SoCal haunt list. There are others here, but that is like the one that, that we use, and, and Midsummer sponsors it, and it's just, it's really curated very nicely. And so that's our roadmap. And I know that Josh, I don't, I hope I'm not putting cart before horse, but Josh was saying that he would like to kind of have Epic Home Haunts be a, an aggregator of that information where somebody can yeah. come onto your website and say, well, I live in Las Vegas. Where are the home haunts? And that comes up because there aren't resources like that out there. Yeah. And so I've made it not really well known, but I've made it known to people like, like I'm getting ready in a year. My girlfriend and I were going to move to Las Vegas mm -hmm. and the home haunt community there exists. The haunters are there. They just don't have any glue holding it all together. So mm -hmm. I got big plans. Like when I get there, I want to land and like start bringing everybody together for monthly mixers downtown or whatever. And, you know, it sounds familiar. It sounds kind of like TPA, but I mean, that's kind of what I did with the TPA thing. It kind of brought a lot of haunters together and it just like these, these they're like poised and ready. They just need this little push, you know, to kind of like get to be where Southern California is. And so there is, there's, there's a lot of momentum to, to make this happen. And I'm personally very excited about trying to have a hand in that, you know, in the back. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, we're moving to Vegas in three months. There we go. So we're, we, th there are, <laughs> Vegas, we're coming for you. There, there, there yeah. are, foot 
Because, I mean, that's like really Vegas is kind of like SoCal. It's like Southern California East, right? It really is. So it's just a few hours away. And, um, you know, it's it's primed and ready. And I think that it's going to happen in the next few years. We're just going to give it that little push and it's going to start blowing up. I really believe that. For you sure. guys are like big haunted freight trains barreling down the track towards Las Vegas, and they don't even know what's yeah. coming. Hell yeah. It's like something <laughs> wicked this way comes. It's the scary, dark locomotive yeah. screaming yeah. in the middle of the night, barreling towards Nevada, right? Yeah. It's coming. Oh. Yeah. No, I'm good. ready. But no, what you were saying, Rick, about, yeah, I mean, we're, we've talked about turning Epic Home Haunts in, you know, as a web site, like a, a, you know, a destination address into basically just a giant home haunt directory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've looked into how to do that. We've dabbled in a few things. We're currently trying to figure out, do we go the AWS Amazon web server route or not? For long story short, I used to be a web developer. I actually helped Rick redesign TPA a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, so yeah, no, that's definitely in the works. I, I would love for that to happen. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, TETV exclusive uh, <laughs> announcement of the Epic Home Haunts uh, aggregated website eventually. There yeah, you just go. Don't, just don't go there now because I was messing with some stuff. <laughs> and, and it looks <laughs> terrible. I'm looking at the website right now and it's uh, It's rough. Don't do it. Don't look at it. It's bad. Go to an Aruba website. Go look at something in Aruba. Don't, don't worry about Epic <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, just, you know, we've had a great hour and a half here. Um, I have one final question, maybe uh, that's pretty open-ended, um, that I'll ask you to. Um, what is the future of home hunts? Uh, and I'll give uh, Josh, how about you go up first? Oh, my God. How much time you have? That's the entire end of our movie, man. That took like a year to film. Um, I don't know. Let's see. What is the future? I mean, honestly, like uh, two weeks ago, I would never have said oh yeah the future are trackless ride systems in somebody's garage <laughs> but it's happening like i i i don't know what it's gonna be i mean i wouldn't be shocked if you've got full-on like vr projection mapped you know stuff i mean look at uh what was it pirates what was it like pirates cove pirates cave pirates weren't, weren't they doing full-on architectural projection stuff yeah yeah. Um, i mean it's incredible like the stuff that home hunters are doing now just look at where the theme parks are now Flash four, three, four years, that's where homeowners will be. That's what they'll be doing. Um, especially with the the ease of access to technology and learning how to use it. You know, like the little Raspberry Pi, that changed the game for so many people. Yep. Um, and the ability to just get stuff like that because of Amazon, right? Like you don't have to have access to these special things anymore. You can get it anywhere. Um, it's changing the game. And I, I'm super excited to see where it goes. And then and you, you, know, you have young guys like Corona Haunt. You know, like Mason and uh, Joe over at Corona Hunt, you know, doing they're doing 13 rooms this year. Um, that's crazy in their backyard. Um, and what they were doing before is insane. They did. Uh, they have a, a we have a full video of one of their mazes on our website, but it's insane. They did Sweet Tooth was crazy with the year they did it. And they're doing something even bigger than that. It's 13 rooms. Like what? That's bonkers. That's Horror Night size. So, like, yeah, whatever the theme parks are doing now. Flash forward three or four years. That's what home hunters will be doing for sure. There you go. Rick, the yeah. granddaddy I, of the summer screen. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think that Josh is, I think Josh is spot on with it. And I, and I, really, I, I think that the, the only difference we have in the coming years is that these haunters are going to get more sophisticated and younger uh, yeah. doing what they're doing. Right. I mean, like every eight year old knows how to go onto YouTube and search how to do stuff. Every, Every 10-year-old is like 
streaming their their playing on 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 Twitch now. I mean, like they're 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 built in. They're they're savvy. They're switched on to this stuff. So, God, I, I no five years from now we're gonna have we're gonna have you know fifteen year olds creating stuff that rivals anything that Disney does when it comes to scary stuff or Universal any anything because it's all right there at their fingertips and the haunt stuff, it's all getting cheaper and cheaper. Like Josh was saying, like who would have thought that like a home haunt was ever going to have registered projection. Right. And now you can go for a couple hundred dollars and everybody can do projection gags, you know, at, at home for, for Halloween. And so it's just, it's, I don't know that the, I don't know that the, um, there's a huge jump in like innovation because really haunted houses are, they've kind of been haunted houses since, you know, the 1800s or earlier. I mean, it's a jump scare with scary surroundings and, and, and you know, whatever it, that hasn't evolved much uh, just like for the most part, theme park rides really haven't evolved that much from the days of Coney Island, you know, the, the concepts anyway, uh, switchback railway, you know, we, we have, you know, the Matterhorn and now we have, you know, Everest and, and that type of thing and thunder, Gulch or whatever, uh, it's all the same thing. Just it's newly skinned with new technology and um, easier ways of doing things and and, and better looking ways of doing things. Um, I, I think that we do hit a ceiling, right? You, you hit a ceiling with what you can do at home, uh, but I think that it becomes much more polished, and I think it becomes younger. You know, the, the people that are that are creating these things, it becomes younger, and I think that it just it goes on. And I think that it gets bigger, right? Like you have a rotten apple or you have a beware of the dark realm or, or restless souls manner. These guys have been doing it for years and years and years and years. Well, they retire, they retire. And then it's time for other haunts to step up into their, their spots. And so I think that we see the community continue to grow. That's a component, Josh, right? I mean, we, oh, we talked sure. about the, the polishing of things and the age of the haunters. I think the number of haunters yeah. grows. I think that we will see it. Like I say, we will give it that push. We will see it explode in Southern Nevada. I think you are seeing it exploding in the UK. You're seeing it exploding. China, China really, 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 really understand what Halloween is and do they, they really like that kind of idea. They're, so we're starting to see things happen. We're already seeing it right now, even in SoCal, the, in, the Inland Empire is exploding with yes. right now. Santa Clarita, like 10 wow. years ago, it was all about Burbank, right? Now you go to Santa Clarita, you better set aside two or three nights or you're not seeing everything in Santa Clarita area. So I think that is, that's the progression, uh, Patrick. It's, it's the number. Like the hunters are growing, man. They're yeah. coming to get you, Barbara. They're, they, the, the hunters are <laughs> that's exploding. And I think that's what's exciting because that is uh, that's an undeniable aspect and, and, and part of themed entertainment that uh, is no longer the redheaded stepchild, right? It's not Garner Holt being a weirdo that he's the one that started with haunts. It's suddenly mainstream. Oh, you were a hunter? Yeah, I was a hunter. I, I grew up hunting. You know, I think the number is exploding and so we'll see that become more mainstream i agree that's great well thank you so much for joining us here today for home haunts and go check out epic home haunts on amazon Prime. pay 25 dollars to download it um hey, buy it just buy the thing so you can watch it over and over again hopefully yeah. josh will cut back on that if, if somebody goes and buys it because i'm sure you're you know that's always great to find the next venture 
Yeah, everything literally just goes towards the next one. That's all it is. Like my wife and I basically just funded it with a credit card the first time. And my wife is like, you're not doing that again. I mean, so it's all, we've got to figure it out somewhere. (laughs) Fair enough. Rick Gus, and then go check out Midsummer Scream. If you've never heard of it, you've been living under a rock, Um, (laughs) a haunted rock. Uh, We appreciate you joining us. And like and subscribe, Epic Home Haunts, Midsummer Scream. TETV and a big thank you for uh, Josh and Rick from joining us today. Andy, anything else? Thank you. Wouldn't be a TV show without I was just good. <laughs> I was just going to say I just wanted to thank everybody for coming on Rick and Josh. Rick, it's always a, a pleasure to have you on the on the show. And uh, Josh, it was really nice to meet you and everybody uh, you guys hang on afterwards, you know, we have a little, you know, confab after the show. So, thank you everybody for watching and happy Halloween and we'll see you again in a week or two. All right. Happy bye, Halloween everybody. everybody.